Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keithley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. Here's the epic new February 25th message titled, Grace Produces. Greetings, my Digital Cathedral family and all of you that may be here for the very first time. We want to give you a special welcome. We hope you find this time valuable. I want to get into some things today that for some of you, you might feel that it's a review or you may say, gosh, I know all those things that you're presenting. But I want to, I want to take some things that might be familiar with you and I want to challenge you this morning <clears throat> to take them down deeper. I've been, I've been reviewing this, this grace message that we proclaim, and which is the lane that I run in. I know, I know my lane. I know the message that I'm uh, mandated to give, and it really centers around grace. <clears throat> but you cannot hit the bottom of the measure that grace really holds for all of us if we just continue to explore the message. So I want to I wanna get into some things today that I hope will encourage you and also challenge you a little bit to take it down another notch, to um, consciously think about it and see what the Father would show you on some deeper levels. I find grace is like an onion. You know, you, you peel off one layer, and as soon as you get that layer peeled off, you obviously can go down another layer, and then you can just progressively go down. So much so, I, I've read for you many times the verse that Paul said that it's going to take the ages to come for us to plummet the depths of God's goodness and grace that he has for us in Christ Jesus. So Paul's the one that got this message going. Paul's the one that planted it. And it was the anchor of Paul's message in every church that he started. It was, it was established as a pure grace church that he founded. <clears throat> and the power, the power of Paul's message was the revelation that he got directly from Jesus. Paul, Paul says many times, I didn't get this from people. I didn't read it in a book. I didn't get it from going to school. I got it from direct revelation from Jesus. It was handed to me, and uh, it was like any other message that had ever come down the road in any theological uh, standing or any religious position up to that time. And sometimes I think about all the opposition that Paul must have encountered as he began to trailblaze this message on radical pure grace. But the thing that I, I, I note is that in every church that Paul founded by grace, it didn't take long for that foundation to begin to crack. And maybe that's one of the motivations that I'm bringing this message this morning. I don't want the foundation to crack in your life. I don't want you to feel the necessity that you have to delve off into a bunch of other things. But Paul's experience was that it didn't take long for this grace foundation to begin to splinter off. And it went in two directions. But let me read first uh, three verses from Galatians chapter 1 that kind of lays out uh, what Paul found as he established these churches in grace. All right. So remember, my motivation this morning is take you deeper into some things that you may feel that you already know. Paul said this. He said, I'm shocked. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, 16. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, 7, and 8. He said, I'm shocked 
how quickly you have strayed away from the one that called you in the grace of Christ. I'm frankly astounded that you now embrace a distorted gospel that is a fake gospel. That is simply not true. There is only one gospel, the gospel of the Messiah. Yet you have allowed those who who mingle law with grace to confuse you with lies. And man, that's the position of the church today. The church has walked in confusion for a long, long, long time because of the mingling of law and grace. Now, I'm going to come, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Anyone who comes to you with a different message than the grace gospel that you have received will have the curse of God upon them. Paul didn't mince words, did he? He said, for for even if we or an angel appeared before you to give you a different gospel than what we have already proclaimed, God's curse will be on him. I'm not, I'm not sure that was all inspired by God to say that a curse would be on him. But I think Paul was really coming in with some emphasis that, look, this is the message. This is the gospel. And we need not stray away from it. Now, here's my observation. And this is one of my red flags this morning. Here's my observation. It seems that that something happens with many, many people that come into this message of grace that is so liberating, that pulls all the standards, the laws, the rules, the regulations, and brings us great freedom. It seems like before long, many people break one of two ways. And this is still my introduction. I just want to, I just want to say, look, don't break one of these two ways. Either, either we break back toward getting a mixture of law and grace. There seems to be this natural propensity that we have that at some point, even if we walked in grace, that we begin to set up some laws, some rules, some standards that are oftentimes just self-imposed. That if I don't do these things, then I don't feel that God's favor is upon me or I feel uh, guilty. I feel a little condemned. I don't feel that same exuberance. I don't feel that same zing that I did when I was just walking in a pure grace message. And again, Paul dress, addresses it. I'm going to read a lot out of the, the uh, Passion Translation this morning. So bear with me because the passion, my, my passion translation is a little hard to turn the pages. So I may stumble a little bit to get you there, but I want to, I really like the way the passion translation lays out the points that I'm trying to make this morning. But I want to read uh, Acts 15 verse 1 and 2 out of the New King James. I think it'd be the only verse I read because of how pointed it is about this very issue of falling back into a message that has mixture of law and grace. He says in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, he said, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren. So he calls them brethren. So th these are people that have received the grace message. And here's the message that these brothers brought down. And this is what Paul's referring to in Galatians chapter 1. This happened all over, everywhere that Paul established a church. They taught and said, Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, remember, they're talking to brand new converts here. They're talking to people that are new to the gospel. And so I, I don't think it was real difficult for them to come back into people that had become familiar with the law or were coming out of the law and put some stipulation back on it. So he, they, they taught and said, look, unless you're circumcised, unless we put this little ad on it, grace is good. This, this gospel Paul gave you is good, but there's one little adjustment we need to make, and that is you need to meet this stipulation of the law. And then in Romans chapter 11, 
and and verse six, and I will start now reading out of the out of the Passion Translation in uh, Romans chapter eleven and and verse six, Paul encounters the the same thing. He said this. And since it is by God's grace, it can't be a matter of good works, whether it's praying the magic prayer, whether it's being circumcised, baptized, tithing, being consecrated, dedicated, sanctified, whatever stipulation you want to put on it, that is not the gospel. Since it is by God's grace, it can't be a matter of their good works. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift, a gift of grace. You cannot receive any gift that God has not already given you by grace. You cannot receive by faith anything that he's not already deposited into your life by grace. He said, and since it is by God's grace, it can't be a matter of their good works. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift of grace, but it would be earned by human effort. So there is, it seems like this natural leaning that sometimes we have after we've come into this message, been freed up, a lot of burdens rolled off of us, uh, and we feel exuberant that there's this little move that we make back toward. And what it does, what it does, it stymies our growth in this message. Now, the other break that I see, and I'm seeing this going on a lot, and it really disturbs me, probably more than the mixture message, it's this break toward Gnosticism. I'm seeing Gnosticism sprinkled all all over uh, in messages on Facebook, on teachings of people that once... I mean, they were they were neck deep in grace, man. They were swimming in some deep waters, doing some outstanding things that all of a sudden they began to look. And here's what Gnosticism is. It looks for special illumination, special knowledge or revelation apart from Christ. And it boils down to where they say, well, Jesus was just an enlightened human being like Buddha or Muhammad. That he had no special position, no special place. And Paul spent a lot of time refuting the Gnostics. In, in Colossians chapter 2, and I'm walking you through because I want you to see how much, how much Paul actually, uh, actually got involved in these distortions of the gospel that we're still seeing today with people that have come through the message of grace, have an understanding of it, been delivered from all kinds of religious bondage, but now we're going back into this thing and and it begins with, and there's nothing wrong with this. I read wide, I read broad, I read a lot of different people, but I never lose the centrality of the Christ. I am Christocentric to the core. But what I see happening with people is when they begin to explore a lot of other areas, if they're not firmly grounded and they're not Christocentric, they begin to see the logic, the wisdom, the reason of whatever it is they're reading. And so they integrate it in on the same level as the Christ. And that's where we, I th- personally, I think that's where we really run askew. And so did Paul. Listen to what Paul said. This is Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. He said, in the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. That is so key that we continue to press into the union that we have with him. Your spiritual roots go deep into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way, for you are established in the faith. You have absorbed and and enriched by your devotion to him. Now, verse 8, beware that no one distracts you. 
Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you into their attempts to lead you away from the fullness that is in Christ by pretending to be full of wisdom. And he said, actually, they're filled with endless arguments of human logic, for they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindsets of this world system and not on the anointed truth of the anointed one. So Paul is continually dealing with these agnostics, and he's outlining what agnosticism is. Let me read two more verses. I was going to stop there, but I think I ought to read two more verses. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. I'm sorry, Muhammad wasn't, Buddha wasn't, Confucius wasn't. There was no other religious leader that established a train of theological position or thought that was filled with the fullness of deity but Jesus. And he says in verse 10, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. So Paul gives absolutely no place to anything other than the centrality of Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying outside of the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit, there is absolutely no truth. There's no truth outside of them. Now, I'm not saying that uh, other, other people do not have some truth, but it's got to be based in the centrality of Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through union, the, the Passion Translation says, except through union with me. All right, now here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm gonna, that was my introduction. I, I want to give you six things that as a pure grace person that is living in the revelation that Paul dispersed to us. And it's a deepening, continual revelation. Let me say it again. You're never going to hit the depths of it. I don't understand people that are in this message two, three, four years. All of a sudden, they feel like they've got a handle on all of it. No, you'll never get a handle on all of it throughout the eons to come. The Father's going to continue to reveal more and more through the, through the Christ, the one that lives within you. I want to give you six things that the revelation of grace will produce within you that should aid in you being perpetually God-conscious that will accelerate your spiritual growth and, and, and accelerate the foundation and the maturity through which you are to demonstrate this message. This is a message we're to carry to the nations. The message we carry is grace. And the message that we demonstrate is pure, absolute, 100% love. Grace and love go together. So here we go. I'm going to give you six things. Are you ready? Now, don't, don't turn me off just because you say, well, I, I've heard this. And again, I've been challenged. The Father's been challenging me these last couple, three weeks about taking some of the things that I know, I think I know, and allowing the spirit of truth to unveil, unpack them on a deeper dimension. So here you go. Number one, Grace is going to produce this in you. These six things. Number one, a knowledge that the same grace that saved you is the grace that's going to keep you. Right? Most of us, most of us came to Christ on what I call the bait and switch gospel. <clears throat> the bait and switch gospel. We were baited by grace. We sing those songs, just as I am without one plea or softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling those of you that got, you know, Baptists or charismatic fundamentalist backgrounds. You know those songs backward and forward. We sang them at the end of every service. 
And, the, the, and it was to get people to come just like you are. God will take you just like you are. And that was fine. But as soon as we got them forward, we, bait, we switched them to some type of law. And it seems like it's built into us that the longer we're in this message, these, these, little, these little tentacles, these little ties grab onto us. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves back in a mixture message. Mr. Grace brought us in, but then Mr. Law took over and instructed us how to live. So just to seal the deal, here's what we've been doing. We've, we've made up, we've come to an institute for ourselves laws that would try to uh, bridge any perceived separation that we have in our minds or our actions. You know, we want to make sure we read our Bible or pray. And you say, I've been delivered of all those things. Well, fine, maybe you've come up with some other things that you have tried to overcompensate with. We, we took out uh, lots of works. Maybe it was dedication, committed, being committed. What, just there's so many things. We took those out as an insurance policy against Mr. Law so that we would feel that we were, we were dotting the I's and crossing the T's. We became a very classic Galatians chapter 3. If you're with me on Wednesday night, we're walking through the book of Galatians, and we're seeing some awesome things here. But often we become, one of the ways that we go, if it's not toward Gnosticism, it's back toward this uh, legalism, of, of law plus grace. We become class. Here's, here's what it looks like. He's, Paul said in Galatians 3, he said, what happened to you Galatians to be, that you're acting so foolishly? See, you guys are crazy. What, what has happened? You must have been under some kind of evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? And I want to say a little more about the finished work of the cross in a couple of points down. But you saw the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion, what the finished work of the cross actually was. Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping the laws? Baptist law, he says Jewish laws. We say Baptist laws, charismatic laws, Pentecostal laws, holiness laws. What? Just plug it in. He said no. You received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Your new life in the anointed one, listen to this, began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Giving you a new birth. The Holy Spirit gave you as a, as a sovereign act, as a, a, a gift, the new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works. So here's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. Sometimes we suffer what I would call spiritual performance anxiety. We believe in grace. We talk grace. But somehow it's given to us by a performance of, of some kind or another, right? We, we learned all of the the conditions around unconditional love. And maybe we put a couple of conditions back on. We tried to merit what was unmerited. And so Paul says in that third verse, he says, did you get this by grace or did you get it by works? If you got it by grace, then continue in grace. There's, there's coming with the revelation of pure grace, a knowing that the same grace 
that saved us. We didn't save ourselves. The magic prayer didn't save you. Nothing you did saved you. He saved you. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That same grace is going to keep you, and I don't want you putting any stipulations, strapping laws back on yourself, making up things that you think, you know, even subconsciously, that if I don't mind these, that somehow I'm going to be separated. Paul said this. He said, faithful is he who began a good work in you, who also will finish it. All right, number two. I want you to take this down another level. I want you to be free of this on a, on a deepening level. Number two, we feel relieved of the obligation to serve. Religion carries with it so many obligations to serve. And that needs to be eliminated so that we can take our position as sons. <clears throat> There's a huge difference between a servant and a son. And Paul runs through that in Galatians chapter 4. Maybe I should just read a couple of verses out of chapter 4. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, and let me just read, uh, let me just flip the page over here. Let me just read four or five verses here. And I want you to see the line of distinction. A servant is obligated to serve. That's what a servant does. See, you, you are sons by position. Listen to me. You are a son by position and you're a servant by manifestation. But the consciousness and the mindset that you carry is that of sonship. And there's a huge difference here. We need to be relieved of the obligation to think that we serve. So Paul says this. He said, in a similar way, God has promised our ancestors something better. But as long as an heir is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant. And Paul begins to draw some, some differences between a son and a servant. <clears throat> he says this, He's not really diff much different than a servant, although he is master over all of them. For until the appointed time by the father, when he comes of age, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. So it is within us. When we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when the era came to an end and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yet all of this was so that he could redeem and set us free from all of the hostages that held us through the written law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as children. And so then we would know for sure that we are true children. We're not slaves. We're not servants anymore. See, that, there's a difference. And I'm going to stop reading right there because I'm just prompted to say this. There's a difference. If, you're, if you, your family owned a large, let's say, department store, your family owned it. You were in line to, to inherit that. While you're growing up and learning all the ins and outs of that department store, your attitude, your approach is entirely different than a guy working over there for minimum wage, part-time or full-time. You would see the store different. You see the procedure different. Now, while you're being raised and you're learning the ropes, it may appear that you have no difference, even though you're heir of all. But when the right time comes and you're released, all of a sudden now you're in a position of authority. So there's there's... There's coming with this message of pure grace, knowing that we, we are kept by the grace that is, has saved us, but also that we are relieved of an obligation as trying to be like a servant. Now, let me make this real plain, real practical. 
I bet you've heard this before back in church. Religion uses condemnation and guilt to get things done. Now here's what I mean by being free from obligation. Free from have to. You have to do this. I, it, it sounds like this. Jesus has done so much for you. What are you going to do for him? You heard that? That, that might be a little different phraseology. Gee, I mean, Jesus has done so much for you. What are you going to do for him? Or how about this? If you really love Jesus and are committed to him, you would, and you can fill in the blank. If you really love Jesus and are committed to him, then you'd give a special offering. Then you would be here every time we have a, a meeting at the revival. If, if you'd be here every Wednesday night. If you really love Jesus and you're committed to him, then you would do this. You would do that. See, Jesus didn't come to threaten us, didn't come to intimidate us, didn't come to condemn us, didn't come to scare us. He didn't come to strap any of those things on us. And again, I don't want you ever feeling obligated. Even come to the digital cathedral. If you ever miss and you feel guilty, know that I didn't put that guilt on you. That's on you. Uh, you're here because you want to be. See, there's a difference. The son wants to. The servant has to. Jesus came to demonstrate the love the Father has for us apart from any servitude. We're not serving servitude. Grace frees you from the sense and the pressure. I think that's really the word I'm looking for. It frees us from the pressure of obligation. Paul said it like this. He said, it's the love of Christ that compels us. Man, when you're compelled by love, you no more have to. There's just a deep desire within. Then he said over in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, he said, it's God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, when the Father's working within you, He puts the will within you so that it becomes what you desire. And He gives you the ability to perform the will that He places within you. So there's no anxiety. There's no uh, getting uptight about it. There's no pressure. There's no obligation. It becomes the, listen to me, it becomes the natural flow of your life. And you enjoy it. I enjoy the heck out of coming over here on Sunday morning and spending time with you. I don't feel obligated. I don't have to. I could, I could pack it up today and not do this anymore. And I wouldn't feel any better than what I feel this morning. I would feel no different, right? Because my identity is not based around what I'm doing here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday, uh, at, the, at the Global Grace Seminary, the Grace Awakening Television Network. Got so many things going on. But man, it's because I'm excited. I'm enthused about it. And the reason I am is because it's the Father that put it in me and is giving me the ability and the strength of stamina, even at my age, to be able to do this kind of thing. All right, number three. Here's what grace will produce within you. You begin to see more and more and more of what the finished work of the cross has freely provided. You get, you'll get more and more revelation of what is encompassed in what is involved with the finished work of the cross, right? You begin to see that everything was done that you could never do for yourself. And that list keeps getting longer. There was a time in my life I thought that everything that was in, involved at the cross was just get me saved to go to heaven. 
Then I saw that the finished work at the cross all of a sudden meant that I could walk in wholeness and health and healing. And then I saw this could be added, and this was involved at the finished work of the cross. So when I began to see everything that was involved at the finished work of the cross about 20, 22, 23 years ago, it changed me drastically. In fact, it changed my prayer time especially because I had spent most of my time in prayer asking for what in fact I already have. Or I would be praying to become the person that in reality I already am. When Jesus said it's finished, he absolutely meant there's nothing that we can do to add to it. And I just did a two-part series on what is the it in finished. And if you haven't looked at that or heard it, you need to go back and look at it because there's a lot that has been provided to us through the it is finished. So it's not anything about what you do. It's about what he has done. Let me pick you up a couple quick verses out of 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Hope you're getting challenged this morning a little bit to just keep delving deeper and deeper into this. And when you spend time with the Father and just quiet time or meditate driving down the road, you can just begin to contemplate a greater depth to some of the things that you feel like, man, I already know. Now, we begin to see more and more that was added by the finished work of the cross. And I love the way that Peter in, encases this by being in, all-inclusive of what was given to us. That's why I say this, this will expand your consciousness because you're going to see more and more and more. Listen to what Peter said. He said, May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That cascading is, it gets bigger, it gets stronger, it's a trickle, a stream. Man, I'm telling you what, the, 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 the grace and perfect peace should be like a giant wave that just keeps sweeping over you. Everything we could ever need, he says in verse three, everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been, I love the way he puts this, has been deposited in us by his divine power. Not just offered to us. Not just said, okay, here, if you want to accept it. No, it has been, and I've used this, you've heard me at the Digital Cathedral use that phrase, it's been direct deposited into your life. You don't have to receive it, believe for it, have faith for it, pray for it, fast for it. It has been direct deposited, everything that pertains to life and godliness has been placed within you by him. Therefore, it's a matter of us becoming more conscious. And that's why this number three, begin to see what the finished work of the cross has provided for us and given to us already. So it changes you. The days of uh, hoping and praying, <laughs> brother, those days are done. My God has supplied all of your needs and Peter says it so well, supplied all of your needs, as Paul said, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. All right, number four. Here's what grace will give you. You will experience all of your sin consciousness, all of your shortcomings, all the places that you feel you have, have uh, not measured up. All of your sin consciousness is going to be swallowed up by sun consciousness. This is a huge step. And I don't care who you are. Once in a while, you just need to broom your mind out. You need to get yourself squared away mentally. 
and let sun consciousness drive out anything that would be of a sin consciousness. Uh, in Titus chapter 2, everything that would, would cause us to be that would cause us to be any any kind of sin consciousness, Paul Paul says it this way, and he's talking over here to Titus in uh, Titus chapter two verse eleven. He said, "God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation to everyone." And that word salvation, I hope you've been with me long enough to know that salvation is not a ticket to heaven and a ticket out of hell. It's the word sozo. It means wholeness, soundness, healing, preservation. Really what we just read in 2 Peter, salvation brings to you by direct deposit everything that pertains to life and godliness. And that has appeared to all men. That means it's been given to everybody. Not just a select few, not just those that prayed the magic prayer, not just those that were predestined by God before time to get it. And Too bad for those that didn't. No. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing wholeness, soundness, uh, health to everyone. This same grace teaches us, teaches it. Grace is a great teacher. Now, I'm gonna, he, he lists out some things here that have a tendency to produce sin consciousness in us, make us feel like we've fallen short. He said, but sin's going to teach us how to turn our backs on ungodliness, indulgent lifestyles, and it equips us to live self-controlled. It equips us. You don't equip you. It equips us. It's that effortless change. You know my definition of grace? It's a divine influence that produces effortless changes. You rest in him. So that divine influence instructs you, changes you, molds you, until one day you look at maybe what had harassed you, what had caused you problems, created that sin consciousness, and grace has totally alleviated you of that has delivered you from it, not with laying hands, casting out devils. It has, it has changed you from the inside out. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. So I read that scripture because those things that grace takes care of are those things that it seems has created for us, if you don't keep it swept out, a sin consciousness. As the light comes in, the darkness goes. Sun consciousness comes in, the sin consciousness leaves. And so our focus moves off what we have been well integrated to believe, and that is, you know, traditional repentance, where you ball and squall and beg and plead God, or guilt, or I can do better, I can try harder, or I need to stay away from. All those things are behavior modification. Grace does not deal with behavior modification. Grace deals with a, a dynamic, fundamental, basic change in the way that we see, in the way that we perceive. So we move out of that sin consciousness that causes us that traditional repentance, condemnation, guilt, try harder, do better, which is the entirety of, of religious's message, do better, try harder, and modify your behavior, you better act right, and it moves us over to a consciousness, this is the sun consciousness, that we're already forgiven. 
that we are already justified. We're already redeemed. We're already reconciled. And that then, we're already righteous. And that then becomes the focus. And as long as we keep our focus there, sin consciousness has no place to get a root in us, to get a foothold. That sin consciousness, man, it frustrates you. It discourages you. It's, it stops your growth. You hit that wall. If there's anything in your life that you feel you have missed it in, that you've not been good in, don't let that weigh you down. Get a focus on what the Father says about you, right? The divine influence that pure grace brings, it triggers that effortless change. And that's what rest is about. You rest in the effortless change. You're no longer hung up on sin. You're no longer hung, hung up on what you do. You're not getting the revelation of who you be. And when you understand who you be, <laughs> what you do has nothing to do with it. In fact, that's why Paul said grace will teach you. Grace will develop you. Grace will clear the conscience out. All right, number five. Number five, this is big. And again, this is totally progressive. Your relationship with the living word which is Jesus, will be stronger than that of the written word. That's a flip-flop. Most of us had a lot stronger relationship with the Bible. We can quote the Bible, tell you what verse after verse after verse says, but very few of us could tell you what Jesus was saying to us. So what grace will do, and this is one area I'm sure that you can just progress in a lot, is flipping that script to where the living word the communion, the union that you have with him begins to supersede the priority of the Bible. Now, I'm not putting the Bible down, you know. I have to say it every time I put a caveat. I love my Bible, using my Bible, reading my Bible this morning. I probably got 15, 18 scriptures I'm reading. But I'll tell you what, my primary source of understanding and revelation is no longer the Bible. It is the spirit of truth that abides within me. See, most, most of us have read our Bible. Let's be honest. Most of us have read our Bible not to have an encounter with Jesus, but to find out what to do and not to do. I used to call it, God help me, I used to call it the owner's manual that you would get into and find out how you are to live. Well, there's, you, can, you can look at it in so many different ways, but when the Spirit of Truth begins to lead you and guide you, He'll make it so plain and so evident. So this move of pure grace, apart from mixture, will bring us into an intimacy with the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. And really, it's only that living word that produces life. If the Spirit of truth does not open your eyes to what the Bible says, it's just ink on paper bound by leather. It's just a book. It's just a book. So don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. If you're seeing this transition, this shift in your life, and this is what grace will do. So I'm challenging you to take it deeper. The shift in your life where you become much more acclimated and comfortable with what the spirit of truth is speaking to you. And then all of a sudden, every page you read in the Bible is filled with him. Every page has grace out. You go, why didn't I see that before? Why didn't I understand that before? It, having the relationship with the living word changes the lens through which you read the written word. The written word is not the word of God. It is a written word that was uh, uh, composed by men, 
who felt they were delivering what the Father was saying to them. And some of it is very inspired. Some of it's not so inspired. The Spirit of Truth is given to you to elevate the living word over the written word. All right, number six. Number six. You'll not only know you're righteous, but you're, you'll actually begin to live righteous. You'll, you'll not only just know that you're in right standing with God, but you're going to begin to walk it out. You're, you'll have a confidence. You'll have an inner knowing. You'll have this, uh, maybe swag is the wrong word, but this boldness about you. Um, you know, I used to teach this. Here's what I used to teach. And this is what I mean. This is the point I'm driving home. I used to teach this. Be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Right? There used to be a whole, whole acronym for that. Please be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Let me tell you something. He, he will never be more finished with you than he is right now this morning. He'll never be more finished with you than he, he is today. Now, what's going to change or grow is your awareness of it. Hence my challenge this morning. Take this stuff down deeper. You haven't scratched the surface yet. Don't say, please be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Know this morning, you're as righteous, as justified, as saved, as perfect as you're ever going to be, right? And you're going to spend eternity discovering just how much that really is true. So what pure grace reveals is this. It reveals the true you that you've always been. See, down the church house, they were always trying to change you. I'm, I don't, on the digital cathedral, I ain't here to change nobody. I'm here to tell you who you've always been, but it's been veiled. It's been covered over with religious dust and dirt and junk, right? But now we're, we're brushing that off. Our eyes are opening up. We're beginning to see things we've never seen. And with that comes an exuberance, comes a confidence, comes, comes this life that begins to emanate out of us. All right, I haven't read a verse in a while. Let me read you one from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm just going to read one little verse here. Uh, I'm just going to read verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Are you ready for this? Uh, where are we at here? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, I keep saying that. Skip my, I've, on my Passion Translation Bible, the verses are not over in the column. They're interspersed and they're, they're written very small. All right, here, here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, you'll never be more righteous, more perfect, more justified, more sanctified than what you are right now. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earned this salvation for it was the gracious gift from God that brought you to Christ are, are you with me so your your unveiling is just beginning what he brought you to you're just beginning to see it so you're you're going to start to live it out and that's I think that's the power and the draw of the digital cathedral is what I'm I've given myself to I have one target and that is to bring you to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's my goal. That's, that's what I'm on the earth to do through all different kinds of means, ways, and channels. But it's to bring you to that. So you're, you're going to start to live righteous. Because, now, I, I, here's why I can tell you this with certainty. 
you're, you're going to begin to live righteous and be righteous consciousness along with that son consciousness. Here's why I know it. Because he has totally removed you. Are you ready? He's removed you from the righteous equation. You're not part of the righteous equation anymore. It's his total righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 says that Jesus has been made to us wisdom, righteous, sanctification, and redemption. He has been made those to us. You, you, you are wearing him. You've put on the new man. Not by your efforts, but again, by direct deposit. So now we're beginning to not only have a, a mental ascent to righteousness, we're beginning to actually live it out the exchanged life, we exchanged whatever we had for what he had, and he became for us those things. Now, to take this deeper, it, it's, it's kind of like, you remember those Magic Eye 3D pictures that were like just a bunch of squiggly lines and dots, and you looked at it, it looked like nothing? But all of a sudden, the longer you stared at it, all of a sudden, a picture of Abraham Lincoln emerged, or maybe Jesus or Mickey Mantle, I don't know. <clears throat> you, but you, you, you've all seen those. They're, they're those, I think they call them Magic Eye 3D. And I haven't seen one in a long time, but I remember as a kid looking at them, you go, there's nothing there. But all of a sudden, when you see it, you see it. You run over to your friend and say, look at there, look at there. He looks at it, he says, I don't see anything. But then you get him to look at it, and what you behold, you become, you see the picture. My point is this, you gotta get this on your own. My challenge is more, then my challenge bring you through these six is to get you to where you are walking in this with a confidence and a determination that comes from an inspiration from the Spirit of God, not from any religious have to, not from any religious obligation, but you're starting to walk this out with a power and authority that you never knew before. You tried to get it by all kinds of actions and activities. Now, all of a sudden, it's springing up within you like this giant well of water, and it's just gushing over everybody that you come in contact with. That's how it was with grace. You didn't see it. Paul said, I got it by revelation from Jesus. I didn't get it from any other way. And once you see it, you go, you, you do, you, you do one of those V8. Face life. said, so why didn't I ever get this before? You pick up your Bible and read it. I, I thought for a long time, man, I'd look at my Bible. Is this a different Bible? Because I was seeing things in old verses that I had never seen before. You see it on every page. You see his grace, his love, his mercy, his inclusion, his fatherhood of all, right? And you feel excited. I'll tell you what it felt like to me. I was born again again. And I still feel that. I came over today when I'm teaching you, I feel this process, I'm being born again, again, and again. I tell you, God is awesome. He's awesome. I'm done this morning, but I just want, I'm here this morning to tell you that God's got some great things planned for you. Don't, don't think you're too old. You're too set in your ways. I'm telling you, as long as you're breathing air and taking up space, God's plan is working in you. It is God that works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Just allow the spirit of truth to keep taking you deeper and deeper and deeper in the fundamentals and the foundations that I've laid out this morning of what this grace message is all about. All right, God bless you. See you next week at the Digital Cathedral, and we're going to pick this up and take it even farther. See you then. Thanks for lending us your ears. 
Just a quick reminder, our digital cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on Donate. Your continuous support propels our growth, and for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.